everybody find a seat. Just want to welcome everybody here. My name is Tom. I know there's a lot of people here that I don't know, and so I'm assuming you may not know who I am, but I'm Tom. I'm the pastor here at Branches, and, and we just wanted to say just as a, as a leadership of the church and, and as the church itself that if you're here for Easter Sunday morning, this is not your home church. You, you just decided to come. We're excited that you're here. We are have been anticipating for about two and a half months this specific day. So for, for, for the Christian church, for Christians, Easter Sunday, here I look at it as the Super Bowl of Sundays. It's the big deal. It's the reason why we are who we are. If, if there was no Jesus, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, walk out of the tomb on that Sunday morning 2,000 some odd years ago, there would be no reason for us to be here. If Jesus is not alive today, then we might as well sell off all the equipment we have, donate the chairs, shut the building down, and just go hang out on the lake on Sundays. But we gather as a church here at Branches Sunday mornings to worship the Jesus that we serve that is our Savior because he's alive, because he is risen from the dead, because he conquered sin and death on the cross, and he raised on that Sunday morning a couple thousand years ago. So that's exciting, and we're excited that you've, you've come to, to participate with us on this Easter Sunday morning. I would assume that most of us have kids. If you have kids, you've already done Easter eggs and chocolate bunnies and stuff like that. Who was up early this morning searching for that stuff with their kids? Was anybody up super early? Nobody? Is, has times changed? Seriously, who's going to do it later on this afternoon? So you've trained your kids that to sleep in and it happens later, right? See, smarter than our parents. Because we were up at four in the morning on Easter, like looking for eggs. And it was the exciting, it was, it was second Christmas for us, but we got candy and we usually got socks and t-shirts and stuff. Um, if you have kids at the end of service, as service is wrapping up, there's going to be a group of people putting out hundreds and hundreds of eggs on the back long here. Gather your kids. If you haven't done a family photo, they're free. We'll make a print for you, and you'll get the copy next week. Right next door after service, you go get your family photo and bring your kids out. We're going to release the kids kind of in stages from the littlest to the biggest to be able to gather eggs. I'm hoping every kid goes home with like a a, a Walmart grocery sack full of eggs. So I'm really hoping that dentists around the world send, you know, offerings to this church because of the amount of candy that we are giving your kids. Here's what we would ask, though. Every egg is a plastic little egg. We try and reuse those eggs year after year. So if you can... Gather the plastic eggs at the end of the day. Bring them back next week or leave them here with us at the end of today. Either way, if you can recycle them back to us, we'll then give your kids more candy next summer okay, or next Easter. Um, but like I said, for my family, we were an Easter bunny family. And, and here's what happened in my house. We would get up super early. Now, the Easter bunny for me has moved to Indiana from California. So, um, you know, my mom and dad moved here a few months ago. I, I know now it's my parents. But um, So I'm actually halfway assuming that the Easter Bunny is coming to my house this afternoon because we still do that. And I still have to pretend like I believe in the Easter Bunny. But the Easter Bunny would come to our house. And as we got older, the Easter Bunny took hiding the eggs and the candy to a whole new level. I mean, we took it to the supreme level. I remember one, my older brother, they would section off the house. And they'd say, okay, Tommy, you get, you know, the living room. And, and, and Robbie, you take the kitchen. And Chrissy, you take, you know, this back part of the house. And, um, 
and for my older brother, he was struggling, and my parents knew, or the Easter Bunny knew, who, how many of each thing was already hidden. So he was struggling to find the last final deal. And so it was so hard that my, my dad had to do the hot and cold method. You know where you, you, you know, you're getting warmer, you're getting warmer. Oh, you're cold, 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 you're getting warmer. And what the Easter Bunny had done is taken, I don't know if you could buy them anymore, but it's, a, it's about this big, it's round, and it was Quaker oatmeal. Do you remember these things? And he, the Easter Bunny had taken the Quaker oatmeal, dumped it out, put the egg or whatever in the Quaker oatmeal, filled it back up, and put the oatmeal back on in the shelf. And that was like, that was the final one that, you know, that was taking it to a different level. At one point, the Easter Bunny forgot where they had hid an egg. Unfortunately, this was a hard-boiled egg, so we found it a few weeks later when it was rotting on top of the lamp right next to the hot light bulb. And there's this smell coming, and we realized, oh, that's where the Easter Bunny hid that egg. And as I got older, I would be employed by the female Easter Bunny of our house to hide the stuff for, for my dad. And so I decided to take it to a level. So what I did is my dad had this study in our home. He had his desk and a bookshelf. And on the, on the, the windowsill, we had this old train that we used to run around the tree at Christmas. Real old, like, you know, Lionel Christmas train. Well, I took the phone book off the shelf. You know, California, it's a big phone book. You know, the kind that strong men rip in half. And I took and opened it about halfway, and I cut out the pages. And it, it was a box of, of peanut M&Ms. I cut out the pages, slid the box perfectly in there, shut the book, put the book back on the shelf. So we had to do the hot and cold. And then I took the caboose of the train, and, and this is a vintage caboose. It's probably worth a couple hundred dollars or more. I took it apart real carefully, put the egg in the caboose, re-screwed it back together, set it on the shelf, and so then we got to, you know, do the reversal on my dad and, and have him do the hot and cold method. And that was, that was Easter, Easter Sunday morning in my house. And I know some people don't do Easter bunny and eggs and all that. And I, I think one of the questions that I want to ask is, where does all this Easter bunny and egg stuff fit in with Jesus and the tomb and the cross? Where does it fit in? And, and I, don't, I don't know that there's an answer. I don't think it does. So when we talk about Easter as the holiday that, that the world is, is celebrating, they some would say that it came from this um, Greek goddess. Her name, like translated, was Easter, and she was a goddess of, of spring and fertility. And so that can be feel a little weird for Christians that, ooh, we're doing this Greek goddess thing. And, and there's not a ton of history or backing behind that. Some would say that, that the Germans originated the Easter bunny and the egg and all that stuff. And then when they migrated to the America, into America in the 1700s, they brought Easter here, and that's where, in Pennsylvania, where Easter started. But there's still, there's not a whole lot of connection between the Easter bunny and eggs and that sort of thing. And then there's this thought that, you know, the Catholic Church said, we've got to redeem Easter back from the bunny and the eggs. And so the Catholic Church started to use that little Easter egg and do it as a symbolism of, of Jesus coming from the tomb. And so they, they took the Easter egg and said, well, you know, it's hatching. It's Jesus coming out of the tomb. And, and to the best of, of what I, the research I could find, that was the only connection of Jesus on the cross and Jesus walking out of the tomb to the Easter bunny and the Easter egg. So what I realized is that in our culture, we celebrate Easter maybe in a couple different ways. There's that, there's that Easter bunny, Easter eggs, get together with family, have a ham, and just enjoy the, the spring weather. And then maybe there's the, the culture of that we celebrate Easter and we say it's all about Jesus. It's all about the cross. It's all about the empty cross and the empty tomb. And so for our family, 
what we do is we kind of blend the both. We fully, fully recognize that this is what Easter is about, what we're celebrating right here in the course of this hour, that without Jesus, without the risen Savior, there would be no Easter. We wouldn't need to have to get up this morning and celebrate, but we do family stuff. We get together. We will have a ham today. We will have ambrosia because you have to have ambrosia when you have a ham, right, and, and potato salad. And, and that's how we do, we do Easter. And I, I would assume that for most of you at the end of today, you're going you're gonna to go spend time with family and friends. I would assume that most of you have plans to go and have, have a picnic or, or hang out with family and, and just enjoy the day, don't you? So, so since we're going to celebrate Easter in that way later on, let's just kind of focus in for the next few minutes on the Jesus part of Easter. What, 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 why, is, why is it important that Jesus rose from the grave? Why is it important that, that we come and, and we're excited about today? So, so let's just focus on Jesus and his victory. And what his victory is, is that the third day after the crucifixion, he was victorious over sin and death. And so what, what happens is, is God sent his son to basically redeem us back, to restore a relationship was broken. Let me try to explain it this way. If, if, you, were, if you read the Bible, you'll find that in the beginning, God created everything, right? He created birds. He created fish. He created the, the air, the land, the sea. And, and one of his prized creations was human beings. And when he created us, man, man and woman, he created us to have an intimate relationship with him. He created us to be in, in relationship with him. He loves us. I really feel like God wants me to tell somebody today that God loves you, regardless of what you think, regardless of what you've been told, regardless of who you are, God still loves you. He's never stopped loving you. And he loves us so much, he created us to be in this, in this relationship of just walking with him, communing with him, having conversation with him day to day. And if, and if you know anything about, about the Bible, if you if you heard stories in Sunday school or, or somebody's told you, there was this little problem that happened, and it was called sin. And, and you know, you might have heard the story of Adam and Eve and, and the, the fruit. And when that fruit was taken, that sin happened. And what happened when, when sin happened is there became this separation, this separation between God and his creation, us. And, and because God cannot be in the presence of sin, there was this separation that happened. And that relationship that God created us to have with him was broken. And so Jesus is God's plan to repair the relationship. It's God's because he's the creator, because he knows how to fix the problem. It's his plan to repair the relationship. I heard this story about, about this guy who had this Model T car. Now, thinking about this story, I think it probably happened in the the 40s or 50s. But this guy had this Model T car, and this guy was a car buff. He knew his car inside and out. He had tinkered on this car. He knew what made it run. And he's driving down the road one day, and the car stalls. And so he gets out because he's got his little toolbox, and he starts tinkering with the car. And he checks this and checks that, and he, he goes and tries to crank the engine, and it won't start. And so he checks this and keeps going, and he's just going through the, the process of, of figuring out what's wrong with the vehicle. And each time when he was done, he would check it, and he would try to turn it on, and it wouldn't start. And after a while of him sitting there fussing and fighting with it, what he did is this big limousine pulls up next to him, and he's still tinkering, and he sees this limousine, and this old man steps out, and the old man just sits there and watches him. And as, as the guy's fiddling with the car and trying and nothing, fiddling with the car, trying and nothing. The old man just stares at him and says, hey, why don't you try this, this, and this? And he tells him some stuff to adjust on the motor of the car. 
And the guy was kind of cocky, and he thought, what does this rich old man know anything about this car? But he had tried everything, and so he said, okay, I'll try it. So he tinkered and tinkered and did what the old man said, and he goes and hits the key, and the thing fires up in his purrs, purrs to life. And he looked at the old man, and he said, what? what? How did you know how to fix this? And the guy says, my name is Henry Ford. I created that car. And see, that's what Jesus is, is to God. God created us. He knew the separation. And he knew that the only way that there could be a re- repairing of the relationship that was broken because of sin was to send his son, Jesus. So here's what I want to do. Over the next few moments, and I'm going to keep it brief. I don't want to bore you with a bunch of details and stuff, but what I want to do is I just want to make a few, like four or five statements about Jesus, okay? Just four or five statements. These are statements you can find in the Bible. Each individual statement can be an entire sermon of its own. It maybe could be like a several sermons, but I'm just going to make the statement and just to give us an idea of who this Jesus was that died on the cross for us, who rose from the dead, and who brings life to us, okay? So, so the first statement I want to make is that Jesus is God. That's the first statement. If you're not sure about that, Jesus is God. John 1.1 says this, that in the beginning was the Word, or the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and as we read down in that passage, you'll find that the word is, is Jesus, that Jesus is God. And then there's this next verse that comes down in, in, in verse 14, and here's what it claims, that Jesus was human. It says this, the word, Jesus, became human and made his home among us. So Jesus was born of a, of a, of a person. He had a physical body. He had emotion. He... Um, he cried. We know he was hungry at times. We know he was thirsty because he asked for something to drink while he was up on the cross. Jesus was human. So if we take that Jesus was God and Jesus was human and kind of bring those together, here's my next statement about Jesus. He was fully God and he was fully human. This is weird math, but Jesus was 100% God always. When he came and he, and he was born into a human body, he did not stop being God. He, he stayed 100% God. And he was 100% human. He exper- like I said, he experienced everything that we experience as a human, as far as being tempted, as far as having struggles and having to do this. But he was God and human. And Hebrews 12 chapter, or Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 says this. It says, because God's children are among our human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who, their, who have their lives. Let me, let me back this up. All, let me, I'm tongue-tied. Verse 15, if, you, if it's up there. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Verse 17 says, Therefore, it, is necess- it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Here's here's this 100% God, 100% human. Because Jesus was tested, because Jesus walked through the life we did, but he did not sin, he he was able to be that perfect payment for the sin that needed to be paid to restore that relationship. It only needed the, sin, the, the cost of our sin is death. 
And so we could either do one of two things. We could die or we could be perfect. And if we're perfect, we can have that relationship store, but we can't be perfect. I, I would ask if anybody here is perfect, I would imagine that most of you, nobody would raise their hand. We've all done something in our life. We probably sped the church this morning, didn't you? You probably cut somebody off on the way, so you're not perfect. But Jesus was. He lived a human life with perfection, and that allowed him to step in the place and, and to die for us. So he was 100% human, 100% God. And then, the, and then the next statement is this. Jesus chose to die for us. I think oftentimes we wonder, we wonder this. If, if Jesus was who he was, because we could read that Jesus like walked out on water, that he waved his hand and calmed to, calmed to see, that he raised people from the dead, that he healed sick people. And, and have you ever questioned, like, why didn't Jesus just like wave his hand and have all the, all, all the Roman soldiers fall to the ground and die and, not, and so he didn't have to go to the cross? But the answer is it's because he chose to die for us. Probably the most like, popular, famous, well-known verse in the Bible is John 3.16. If, if you watch any sporting events, you'll see it behind the goalpost, behind the, the, the football um, goalpost, behind the basket. And it says this. It says, this is how God loved the world, that he gave his only son so that everyone who believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. This is that, that God loved you so much that he wanted that relationship back with, with, between you and him that he sent his son to stand in the place and, and make the payment that we can't make. There's this verse in chapter 12 of Hebrews. Chapter 12 of Hebrews talks about, about the Christian running a good race, keeping their eyes on Jesus, fighting the good fight. And there's this verse like kind of wedged in after a couple of verses that starts to talk about who Jesus was and, and why he came. And why he died on the cross. And it's verse chap- chapter 2 of verse, of, of, uh, verse 2 of chapter 12. And it says this. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. This is the talking about us being running a good f- a race of really like living the Christian life. So if you're a Christian, this verse, you know, it's saying, hey, run, run with endurance. You got this thing set before you run hard. And then ch- verse 2 says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And then it explains Jesus. It says this. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion or the victor who initiates and perfects our faith. And then it says this, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he was seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Here's, Here's what this is saying. Three times in my life, I have watched a baby born, like a baby, human baby, because I have three kids. And I was in the room all three times. And we have this wonderful picture after Zach, our third was born, of Joe and the three kids. So what happened is Zach was born about midnight, 1230. The next morning I got up and brought Ashley and Morgan to the hospital room. And Joe's holding Zach. And, and we, um, you know, we take a picture of, I take a picture of my wife and my three kids. And it's, it's a beautiful picture. But in this picture, Joe looks horrible. You can lean to your husband and say, don't ever say that in public about me. <laughs> Joe looks tore, tore up. Terrible. Because, because I'm getting somewhere with this, guys. <laughs> I didn't tell her I was going to say this. But it's a terrible picture of Joe, but it's a beautiful picture of our family. Because for hours and hours and hours the night before, she was in labor. She was in intense pain. She was, she was hurting. She was crying. She was cussing at me, cussing at, I think my dad and I were in there. She was yelling. My wife cusses when she gets in pain. She's yelling at us. She's sinning. Everything's going bad. And, and 
And then, and, and with Zach, you know, his, the umbilical cord was around his neck, so we had to try and get that over. You know, they, they thought they were going to have the emergency C-section. It was just a miserable, miserable time of pain and agony and turmoil for my wife during those hours of labor. But then we have this picture of our family, and it's beautiful. And here's what Joe tells me. I want to have another baby. And I'm like, you almost died in there. And, and here's, this, here's what Joe's able to do. Here's what moms are able to do. They're able to look past that horrible 12-hour, 24 hours, if you're lucky, three hours of labor and pain. They're able to look past that to the victory of the little baby on the other side. Do you get that? They're able to say, what is before me in labor and all that? Now, modern science allows us to have that epidural and everything's fine, right? Or, you know, some, some moms don't even go into labor. They just know... At 2 o'clock, I'm going in. They're going to C-section me and take the baby out. But in the natural way, they're able to look past that horrible pain because they know on the other side is a beautiful baby. And that's what Jesus did. There's, if you live in, in Warsaw area over by, by Martin Supermarket and, and Menards, you know Husky, Husky Trail is all shut down blocked off for the next few months. You cannot drive all the way through that trail. And what they have is you have to go through this really long, terrible detail detour. And I'm sure Martin Supermarket is going to lose business because of it. There's a family in our church who live in Harrison Ridge neighborhood. And, and I, I, they're sitting back here. And I, I say to them, man, how are you handling the detour? Because where they would normally have a 30-second drive to go to Martin Supermarket, it's like a 10-minute loop now. And every time I ask them, how are you doing it? They go, oh, it's wonderful. It's going to be so great. And I'm thinking, until August, you have to live with this mess. But what they are doing is they are looking past the mess of the detour because they're saying, in August, we're going to have eight-foot sidewalks that our kids can ride their bikes up and down, that we can walk our kids to the, to the elementary school down the road. We can walk safely to the supermarket. And so I expect them to go, yeah, it's terrible. We hate it. But they keep saying, no, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be wonderful. They're looking past the, 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 the junk that they have to deal with now. And that's what Jesus did when he went to the cross. He said, he said the cross is, is a form of execution that criminals go to, murderers go to. And that's where it says, it says that he, um, he endured the cross. The shame, he despised the shame. It's like, this is the most shameful way that somebody can be killed. But I, I'm, not, I'm not looking at the torment of the cross. I'm looking past it. That's the 100% God saying, I know my mission on this earth is to go and pay the price for, the, for our people, for God's people to have relationship with him. And so the cross is only a few hours that I have to endure for the victory of eternity with my people. And so he chose to go to the cross so that we can live in victory here, and we can live in, inter- with e- in eternity with him. That's a huge, huge thing that Jesus did. That's why we celebrate Easter this morning. That's why we're excited, because we know that, that what happened Friday night means nothing compared to what happened Sunday morning. The excitement of the empty tomb. That was an exciting time. Hold on to that. Now, now the final one is this. If you're sleeping right now because you ate too much peeps back, this is the time to wake up, Okay. All that was just a setup for this. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. This is a statement that I want to make. Jesus loves you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. So, so here's, here's what I want to say. This is, this is kind of a point where you have to say, am I going to respond to that? Or do I have a relationship with Jesus? Or does it matter to me? So Jesus came. He had his mission here on earth. 
His mission ultimately was to die and to walk out of that tomb. When he walked out of that tomb, he said, death no longer has any hold or authority on people who turn their eyes to me. That's what he was saying. And so he fulfilled his mission. And what we have to do is we have to say, I'm going to accept that. I'm going to say yes to that. I'm going to follow that. Jesus is going to be my savior, the one that I follow. And when you say that, here's what you're saying. You're saying that you are recognizing that there's some sort of separation between you and God. See, we were created to have that relationship. But you're recognizing and saying, there's some, something that doesn't, I'm not, I don't feel like I have a relationship with God. That's what you're recognizing. You're saying there, it's just not there. You're recognizing that, that whatever in life you're, you've tried to fulfill that, that void is not working for you. See, there's this void that we have. I have a fly buzzing me. There's this void that we have because of the separation. There's this need to be in relationship with God. And we, and we all know this void. It's in us. Whether you recognize it intellectually or not, it's in you. And what we do is we say, I've got to fill that void. So what do we do with that void? We say, I'm going to get a career. And I'm going to make a lot of money. And I'm going to fill that void with the career. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll say, that, that career is nice. The money's nice. But it's not actually filling the void. We say, I'm going to go get a girlfriend or a boyfriend or have a relationship because that's going to bring the love that I think I need. And, and if you're honest with yourself, you're going to say, it's not really working. It may bring some temporary excitement. It may bring some temporary pleasure, but it, it actually isn't fulfilling that void because there's a separation in my relationship. You're saying that, that I've tried alcohol and, and I, I go to the bottle because alcohol numbs the pain of that void of separation or drugs takes, takes it off my mind for a time. And if you're really honest with yourself, you would say it just isn't really working. Now we can lie to ourselves and say, oh no, it's fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Or we can honestly say, yeah, there's, there is something missing in my life. And I'm explaining to you that, that what's missing is that relationship with Jesus. And so, and so we have to individually come to a point of saying yes to him. You are my savior. Easter means something to me. And so I don't know everybody in here. And I think I'd be a fool to stand up here and just assume that everybody in here has made that decision, has said yes to Jesus, had said yes to that, yes, I know that Jesus is my Savior. Easter means something more than bunnies and eggs to me. I'd be a fool to just assume that. So I, because I don't know you, I have to, I have to make it an opportunity for somebody to say, I know I need to fill that void in my life. I know I need Jesus. I know that I, that relationship needs to be restored and I've not yet done it. See, many people in here have taken a step and saying, I need Jesus. And they've said, they said yes to Jesus. And if you talk to these people, they, if they're honest with you and honest with themselves, they'll say, yes, when I have walked with Jesus, when I've kept my eyes on Jesus, I have peace. I feel God's love. I know he's near me. And they've, they've made that decision. And, and, I feel like I need to offer that to anybody in here that would say, I need to say yes to Jesus. I need Jesus' love. I want to have a relationship with God that I don't have, that I know I don't have. And I've, been, I've either been ignoring it, I've been faking it, or I've been trying to fill it with something else. I need to do that. So, so would you stand with me? And here's what I want to do. I want to I make that opportunity real, okay? So, so, so the two things that I feel like you, you need to do, and, and nobody can force you, don't let anybody push you. Don't, I don't want there to be any pressure. But I, I do want it to be very direct in your way. Here's, here's the first thing you need to do. You need to admit to yourself if you have a relationship with God or not. You just have to do it. And if, and if you choose not to, then, then, you know, God bless you. I, hope, I, hope that as, I really, truly hope that at some point something takes place in your life where you say, 
now's the time I need Jesus. But I'm hoping that today's the day that you say, yeah, it's time. I need Jesus. My, my life isn't, isn't going the way it is. I, just be honest with yourself. Is, is life the way you want it to be? Is it, is it, is it how you would have mapped it out? Or, or, or do you really say there needs to be something different? So you have to say to yourself, yes. You have to say, yes, I need this Jesus. Yes, I came in here today because somebody pressured me to or because I get up on Easter Sunday and go to church. But bottom line is I need Jesus. And you have to make that decision. Then the second thing I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to take a bold step and to come down here and talk to me. Now, that's going to be the hardest part because you might say yes in your heart, but getting out of your seat and coming down here is going to be, can be like the death walk. But it's actually the life walk, okay? Coming down here and saying yes to Jesus is saying Jesus, you are my Savior, and you're, you're proclaiming it to this group of people. You know the Bible says this. If you confess me before man, before your peers, if you tell people that are around you that Jesus is your Savior, then Jesus says, I'm going to tell God that, that you are my Savior, that I am his, your Savior. I'm going to tell God that you're part of my family. I'm going to tell God that the relationship is restored. And so, so there's, this, there's this need to say publicly, I know I need Jesus. I know I need Jesus. And so here, you're in a safe place. There's, you can't go to a bar. You can't go somewhere and have people like, like cheer you on. Right now, just so you know, if you're feeling this, if you're thinking, yeah, I need to have that relationship, there's people in this room that are cheering you on to saying, step out and go. So, so here's what we're going to do. The band's going to start playing, and I'm just going to ask that you would come down here, and here's how it's not going to be anything weird. I don't do weird. I, we're going to come down here. I'm just going to pray with you. You're going to get a chance to just say, Jesus, I want you as my Savior. I want a, I want a relationship with you. And then that's it. And then you're gonna, we're going to ask you to you know, give us your phone number so we can call you and encourage you. That's it. That's, that's as simple as it's going to be. You're not going to see anything weird, anything freaky. So can I just ask, is there anybody in here? Maybe you just need to take that first step of raising your hand and saying, yeah, it's time for me to meet Jesus. I need to say yes to Jesus. Is there anybody in here that would, would be bold enough to say that? Raise your hand high. Okay, I see you. Yep, I see you. Anybody else? There's two people that said, yes, it's time. Is there anybody else that would say, yeah, I, I want a relationship with Jesus? Could, could, I, could you guys come down? Could you guys come down here and, and meet me? If there's anybody else, go ahead and step out. Yeah. This is, see, this is exciting stuff. Hi. Say it again. I'm Tara. Tara? Anybody else? I'm going to pray with, with these couple people. And I'd hate for somebody to walk out of here and, and then say, uh, I probably should have taken a step. So we'll just give it a couple seconds. I don't want to, I don't want to belabor this, but I want people to, to maybe build up a little bit of boldness. Anybody else? It's a good opportunity, a good safe place. Okay. Here, here, here's, here's what I'm going to offer. We're going to pray with this couple, and then here's, for you guys, you're going to be met by a couple people. All they're going to do is, is just ask for your phone number so we can contact you, because it's important that through this new life that you're stepping into, that you get in relationship with people that can encourage you. And so we're just, we just want to encourage you. So we're not going to hammer you with phone calls and this and that. We're just going to call you and encourage you. The person might ask if, if you have something that you need, you know, want to get prayed for, and they'll pray with you, okay? So, so that's what the next few minutes are going to take, and then, uh, and then, you know, if you'll be willing to just meet with them. Um, if, if anybody else wants to get prayed for, 
wants to say yes to Jesus, you could come up at any point over the next few minutes as we wrap up the service. But would you guys just pray with me? And I'm going to pray just a really simple prayer. And, and this, this is just your confession, you saying yes to Jesus. You saying, Jesus, I recognize that I need a relationship with you, okay? And that's when the life starts. The life starts there. And then, and then it's the walking out. It's the relationship building. Just like a new relationship, it takes time to build. And, and you just need to invest in that relationship with Jesus. And we'll, we'll, we'll walk with you. We'll help you. We'll answer questions. We'll give you tools that you need so that you can, you can live the life that God made, created you to have, okay? Okay, so the rest of you guys, if you'll just pray with me, and you guys just, just in your heart pray, you, you know, you, just, you can just repeat what I'm saying, okay? So just say, Jesus, I, I know you're my Savior. And I, and I know that there's a separation in my relationship with you. So, so today I want to come back in relationship with you. And I recognize that you died on the cross for me. You, you paid a price that I cannot pay. And you rose from the grave, defeating death. And today I'm giving you my life to be my Lord and my Savior. And, and I ask that you would work with me as I grow in, in relationship with you. Okay, amen. And then just let me pray for you guys. God, I, I thank you for these two, two people that just responded and said, yes, they, they need to have a relationship with you. God, I, I pray that as they move on, first off, that there'd be a, a blocking of any, any negative voices that would tell them that this was just dumb, that they didn't need to do this. That, there, that this was unnecessary, that there'd be a blocking of that and, and that they would be able to just keep their eyes focused on, on you as the light and as life for them. God, I, I pray that, that they would be surrounded by people who would encourage them. I pray that there would be people that would, would be able to answer questions that they might have and just, and just love them the way you would have us love them, the way you want to love us. And God, I pray that as they grow and as they, as they come into a deeper intimate relationship with you, God, that they would find the peace that they have not had in their lives. They'll find, they'll find the joy that maybe they've not had. They'd find, they'd find the excitement of life that they've not had because it's in you that that, that comes. So, so Lord, I just pray that you would protect them and you would, you would encourage them that, that they have entered into a family that loves them and, and a group of people that love them and that ultimately they have become restored in their relationship with you as, as, their chil- as, as your children and, and you are as their father. So, Lord, we just thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so here's what I'm going to have you do. If you'll go with, with Mike and Brian, they're just going to, they're right here. They're my buddies. They're safe, okay? They're not going to do anything crazy. So they're just going to encourage you. And, and, and Amelia and Tony are here. If you'll just go with them and, and they'll go. So, so we're going to wrap up here. At Branches, what we do is we always offer a time if you need prayer for something. So if something's happening in your family that's, that's negative or you, you've just had a rough week, you just need somebody to pray with you, you can come forward at the end of this song and they'll pray with you. Amanda, come on up. I did not forget you, girl. Come on. This is Amanda Woods. Amanda is leaving on Thursday night late, like super late, like midnight or one in the morning, Friday morning. She's going to Guatemala for a, little, a week, a little over a week, and she works with an optometrist, and they're providing 
eye care and stuff for, for children in Guatemala. She, this is her first time going out of the country, her first time serving God on a mission. And so we want to pray for her. So what I'm going to do is she's going to stand back here. And as, this, as we sing this, this, Ellie, do you want us to pray for you too, girl? Come on up. Um, but for, for Amanda, if some of you guys could just come and just, just encourage Amanda, pray for her, ask God to protect her in her travels. She'll be standing over here and just, just circle her and give her some love. Okay. So Amanda, if you'll stand over there, we'll pray for you. And then, and then, like I said, there'll be a couple more people up here. If, if during the song or as the song ends, when the song ends, you're dismissed to go get your children. We just ask that, um, you'd gather your children. And then if you haven't done pictures, do pictures and, and we'll get the, um, Easter egg hunt going. And and I just hope that you guys have a great and awesome day remembering who Jesus is and why why we celebrate Easter for real as we go out and look for bunnies and that sort of thing. So so that that's kind of how we're gonna wrap up. So thank you. I'm excited that you guys are here and I'm excited for Jesus. So so let's just enjoy this and, and worship this last song and then we'll be dismissed. <laughs>